Hi, welcome to the Haven Youth Church Podcast. We want to thank you for tuning in today. We hope this message encourages you and empowers you to be all God created you to be. We love you. Welcome to the family. The Bible says in Genesis 32, starting in verse 22, the same night he arose and took his two wives, his two female servants, and his 11 children. We're talking about Jacob. He's got a whole collection. He's got a bunch of women that decided that they would compete with one another, not in the Afghans that they could sew uh, or weave, not in the food that they can cook, right? not, that the, not the home or the house that they could make. They weren't trying to have a leavened bread cook-off, right? But instead, how many babies they could produce We've been, we've been following this story uh, from, from its start. And if you don't know the story, just know it's twisted. But don't pass judgment too quick because your story probably needs to be unraveled as well. He took them and sent them across the stream and everything else that he had. And Jacob, in verse 24, was left alone. And a man wrestled with him until the breaking of the day, and when the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched his hip socket, and Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. And then he said, Let me go, for the day has broken. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And he said to him, What is your name? And he said, Jacob. And he said, Your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, for you have striven with God and with men and have prevailed. And Jacob asked him, please tell me your name. But he said, why is it that you ask my name? And there he blessed him. So Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, saying, for I have seen God face to face, and yet my life has been delivered. Amen. And the sun rose upon him as he passed Peniel, limping because of his hip. Preached to you on part four or part three and a half. If it's not you, it's not anyone a subtitle tonight, God hasn't changed his mind about you. God has not changed his mind about you. Holy Spirit, we ask that you do your work now. Hallelujah. Holy Spirit, do what only you can do. We ask that you expose every lie from hell. That your word would be magnified and exalted in this place in hearts and minds. Jesus, speak to hearts. Remind sons and daughters. Remind the Jacobs that are on the run in the house tonight. Remind prodigals tonight that you have not changed your mind. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. 
And so we see here in Genesis in our story, we're following Jacob and we find him on this night as he is beginning to make his way back to his people that he is, he is, is, has seen that there is, uh, there is bands of soldiers from his brother Esau that is coming in his direction. And make no mistake, Esau does not have good intentions when he meets his brother Jacob. This is Jacob the deceiver, Jacob the supplanter, Jacob the trickster. This is Jacob who stole from him, who stole purpose from him, who stole destiny from him. And Esau means to make it right. I know you've read something else, maybe you've heard something else, but Esau's intention is to bring his justice to the situation. And Jacob is nervous. And Jacob has good reason to be afraid. And so Jacob does what Jacob always does, and he tries to figure out a way to trick his brother. And so he sends wives this way and wives that way and herds this way and herds that way, and he finds himself all alone. And I think that this is often where God wants you and I, away from the crowd. Sometimes it's uncomfortable. Sometimes it feels a, a, a little intimidating to be alone. This is why you can't help but go very long without a text, without a phone call, without a FaceTime, without something in your ear, something to to, to, to break up the silence in your life. We're afraid of de- being alone with us. Jacob's afraid to be alone with Jacob. Whether it's his hurt or his shame, Jacob is afraid to be alone here. And this is no, 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 this is no strange circumstance to all of the patriarchs through Scripture. We read of Abraham when he left Ur and, 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 and found his, his kindred. He was, he was left alone with God, the Bible says, of Abraham. Moses was sent to the backside of the desert in Midian. And it was when he was alone with God that he saw the burning bush. Elijah, who was was disciplined at the brook of Cherith. It was there that God was with him alone. Jeremiah, the Bible says, walked a lonely path. Hallelujah. But God was with him. John the Baptist was in the desert alone, but God was there. Paul had two years all by himself in the wilderness, in the same desert. And that was where God took the opportunity to transform and train a life. The apostle John was exiled all the way to Patmos, but we know from the book of Revelation that he certainly wasn't alone, but in the Spirit, he found himself in the Spirit on the Lord's Day. Hallelujah. Daniel, all alone in the lion's den, but never alone, for it was the God of heaven that kept the lion's mouth shut. The three Hebrew children, all alone in the fire, but they weren't alone, for there was a fourth one in the fire with them. And so I come to tell somebody that feels like you're all by yourself, you feel like you're all alone, you feel like no one understands, you feel like you can't tell what's going on you can't you feel like you can't expose the circumstance I know you've got friends I know you're surrounded with friends but you come tonight and you're all alone I come to tell you you're in a great place God is attracted to those who find themselves all alone and he knows the tricks and the wiles of the enemy he knows the enemy's trying to separate you he knows he's trying to get you to think you're all alone and that's where God wants to break in if you'll but look up tonight Hallelujah to God. And so we find Jacob all alone. Jacob doesn't have a penile experience except he gets alone. Hallelujah. And so he's at, he's come to this place. And we see on his way back home to to Canaan with his small tribe, his wives and his children, in desperate prayer, God save me. 
from my brother. Spare my family from the consequence of my own failures. And we see from this the character of God. God so committed to his promise. The promise he made at Bethel to Jacob. The promise that he had made to Jacob from the foundation of the world. The God that does not change his mind to every Jacob in here who's made every wrong turn you could make for the better part of your life. Here comes God running to the very thing you're running from. Jacob can't run far enough from Jacob. And here comes God running to Jacob. Running to your hurt. Running to your shame. He runs to your pain. He runs to the wounded. He runs to the desperate. He runs to the very thing you're trying to get away from. And this is God's commitment to his promise the God that esteems his word above his very name hallelujah Hallelujah. we also see here the character of Jacob who's bent on creating his own security and his own blessing yet the thing that he's been chasing after is the very thing that God has been trying to give him all alone The thing that Eve chased after in the garden is the very thing that God had already given her. And isn't it like the enemy to convince you that you lack something? And you've got to run and get it. If I could just have that boy. If I could just have Leah. Ah. If I could just have Rachel. And Rachel, if I could just have Jacob. And Jacob is always just Jacob. And can I just tell you really quickly how unfair it is to put on a man or a woman, a boy or a girl, to put on them the responsibility of fulfilling your happiness? Can I just put that on you really quick? And so there's no man, there's no boy, there's no girl that can live up to those expectations. They'll fail every time. And you'll never find fulfillment in them because you're never created to find fulfillment in a person. I don't care if you're walking with the Lord or if you're not walking with the Lord. Your fulfillment must come from Him. And the only way you can provide any fulfillment to your spouse is if you first find your fulfillment fulfillment in them. And so let me just tell you, you can run off and get married. You can run off and date him or her or them. You'll never know contentment. Because contentment can only come in him. Well, that's enough. I think we've, we've had a good service. We can, we can uh, wrap up, <clears throat> maybe come to the altar and pray. And so uh, there is but one that, you, that your soul longs for. There is but one that the nations long, their soul yet thirst for. And that is this beautiful one that they've sung about tonight with eyes like fire, hair like Gold feet like brass. Hallelujah to God. There's one that satisfies. Quit living. Quit listening to that deceiver that's convinced you that the mirage is real. That you've been chasing. It is empty. It is dry. And it promises everything. But I promise you it will leave you yet thirsty. How do you know that in this story? Well, I know Rachel thought that Jacob was everything. And Rachel, I know Rachel finds out really quickly that maybe Jacob doesn't have all that he says he has or promised to have, which is why she had to steal daddy's idols. Because Jacob just wasn't enough. He'll never be enough. You'll always be looking for more fulfillment. I was kidding. 
one of the one of the missionaries we used to have in the house uh, quite often uh, would always say, "Ooh, I felt a cold wind on that one." <clears throat> and so, look here in our story. Bible says, "I, I want to read from the I want to read from the King James because it's a little bit uh, in this in this instance it's a little bit truer than." the English Standard Version, which we read from our text, and I'll, I'll just prove it to you. And Jacob went on his way, and the angels of God met him. And when he saw them, he said, This is God's host. And he called the name of the place Mahanaim which literally means two bands or two hosts. Hallelujah. Jacob shows up. He's not had an encounter yet. And already God opens his eyes to see two bands of angels swarming around him. Two bands of angels. Here he is facing the army of what is his brother. But he's got an army of angels that have descended from heaven to remind him, Jacob, you're not alone. Jacob, you've never been alone. Oh, Jacob, I know you've been on the run. I know it's been a long time since you've been this way. But Jacob, we've long been with you. Hallelujah. And so and so what we sing the song. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. And so you need to understand tonight that the angel bands that were passing before uh, Jacob on that night are the same bands of angels that passed before you on this night. I'll tell you, I'll just say it again. You need to know that God has commanded his angels to to keep watch over you. Hallelujah to God. And so understand, Jacob is in a season of waiting and he's waiting on God. He's waiting on God to move. He sent out his his, his family here, there, east and west and everywhere. And while you wait for the fulfilled promise of God, can I tell you, he's not forgotten. He yet sees you and in the waiting, he's encamped an army of angels around you hallelujah this is what Elisha was talking about the prophet of God who was surrounded by the Syrian army and whose who's king Ben-Hadad was bent on killing him and on slaying him and it was Elisha's it was Elisha's servant Gehazi who couldn't understand why Elisha was just so chill and and the prophet says how the prophet says uh, in response uh, Elisha prays he says Lord open his eyes Hallelujah. Open his eyes that he might see the armies of the angels of God. Would to God tonight in the middle of your waiting, in the middle of your aloneness, in the middle of your what feels like isolation, in the middle of your hurt, in the middle of your pain, in the middle of your struggle, while you're working and trying to be faithful to God, while you're trying to press forward to God's future and his plan for your life, but it doesn't feel like you're gaining much ground very quickly. Can I remind you tonight that God has sit a band of angels to work around you don't you know you're ex you are entertaining angels even while you wait hallelujah open our eyes in our weakness in our waiting in our wondering hallelujah and so he sees this 
promise of God, Jacob does, but like we always do, it's, it's great to experience a high. Last week was incredible around this house. Uh, hours in prayer, uh, no, no preaching. We got into the altars really early and stayed really, really late. And so God was just doing incredible things uh, uh, in, in the house. And testimonies are still coming in just from last week. Uh, and, and so thank God for that. But here's how we get, though, right? Like we experience, we experience some level of glory in God, but then we're like, just wait. The, the bad news is coming, Right? God, God broke through here in this area, but I know what's coming next, right? And, and I understand that there's a level of that that's true, right? Because when you step out for God into a realm, uh, into the realm to, to begin to take authority for God, right? There's a giant bullseye painted on your back. When you begin to attempt to disrupt the principalities and the powers that have long stood over your family, that have long controlled the, the, the ins and outs of your city or of your school, you know there's principalities, right? You know that there are demons from hell that are established over cities and over regions, and, and they've been there, some of them, for a long time, for ages. But I believe tonight in this house, that God is ready to disrupt principalities and powers of the enemy and of hell if you're willing to step up and step out and the good news is it may have been it may have been great last week and it doesn't have to be terrible in the coming days do you understand that he can take you from glory to glory to glory and you don't have to live a life in the cycle of sin and victory and sin and victory and youth camp and then valley low and youth camp and youth conference and valley low but the God that we serve is a God that sustains and so he's expecting he's expecting doom surely it can't work out for me momentary blessings sure but it never quite never quite works out right it was a uh, was driving by a, a, a home that um that Jessica and I, we, uh, Russ and Kim actually showed it to us and, and uh, sort of showed it to us, passed it off to us when they passed on it. And, uh, and so, of course, we fell in love with it. And uh, the gentleman who owns the home is, may or may not sell. We don't know. Well, Matt, when the weather breaks... Well, mad in February. Well, mad in March. Right? It's like this whole Laban thing, right? Like Jacob. <clears throat> and we were passing by and the other day. And, uh, you know, you can become, this is just history. When you start living based on history instead of based on faith and hope, right, what you begin to do is you begin to predict your future based on your history. You understand what I'm saying? You begin to predict your future based on your past and so because you've had downfalls in the past and you just predict and project those, and if you're not careful, you can actually bring those, right? So everything's according to your faith. And that, in the tongue, there's, there's life. And, there's, and so we're driving, and Jude's like, we're, we're going right by the house, and he's like, can we uh, get a trash bag and come back here and, and pick up the, the bottles and the trash that's, that's on the side of the road? And... And I told him, I said, listen here, son, we're going to have this conversation one time and one time alone. The earth is not going to end in 12 years. This has been given to us to dominate by God. And we are not 
we are not going to bend to these climate activists. No, I didn't say that at all. I was just kidding. It's a joke. <clears throat> and I said, where, where at? Where did you want it? Where did you see the trash? And he said this. He said, on the road in front of our house. And the Holy Spirit just spoke with faith like a child, right? Maybe you should, maybe you should allow yourself to hope again. But what if, but what if, what if my heart's crushed? Scripture says, hope maketh not ashamed. Hallelujah. Why? Because Holy Spirit's going to come alongside and he's going he's to pour himself out, overshadow your heart with his, with his love and assure you that he's not going to let you down. For some of you tonight, you need to hope again. You need to hope again for your future. Some of you need to hope again for your salvation. You're afraid to take another step because what if it's just like it was last time? What if it's not? Maybe you should start asking some different questions. What if it's not like last time? What if you raise up with, with, raise up with fire shut up in your bones? What if you raise up with, and walk in, your, walk in, in your, your giftedness and your calling? What if you raise up in the power of God with resurrection power, doing what only He could do through you? Midnight comes. He's at the river Jabbok. Verse 24 of our text. He was left alone, and there wrestled a man with him until the breaking of day. Called a man here. If you look on down in verse 30, I don't know what you get a picture of. It's like Nacho Libre. Is this what's popping in your mind when you read the scriptures? I don't know how you read, right? I don't know if you try to imagine. Incarnation. Verse 30, though, says, And Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, for I have seen God. So, so we see that it's 24, it's a man. Your Bible might actually have a capital M. And then later he calls him, calls him God. And so we know that Jacob, Jacob likely isn't just wrestling with uh, Nacho Libre. It's not just some weird man that came to camp and said, let's wrestle. Right? Like, how creepy would that be? I knew, I knew death was coming after I saw the angels. I knew it was going to be creepy. Right? In Hosea, chapter 12, verse 4, the prophet there refers to the wrestling there. As an angel. I would submit to you that 
that we know that this is, this is Christ. This is a pre-incarnate Christ, a Christophany. Because we know that Jacob is going to strive with this angel, this man. And this angel and this man is going to ask for Jacob's name, to which Jacob's going to respond. And he says this, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. And we can, we can, we can know that this is Christ because there's but one man that has the power to change your name. Because there's but one man that has purchased the price and thus has naming rights. But he hasn't died yet. Oh, he's already carrying with him all that he ever will do. This is why he was able to heal. This is why his disciples were able to work in wonders. Before he ever, even before Christ ever was crucified and rose again, he walked in, he walked in redemption power because it was already in him. He had already prepaid the price. Amen. And so we know this is Christ because he doesn't ask for, for permission to change his name, but he does it on his own authority. And so this is the incarnate logos, the Christ that walks with you. And I want to take a moment and show you throughout scripture. We see it as early as Adam and Eve. Not only does God send his angels, right? But he also sends his own son. He sends his own son and we see it on page two of scripture. When Adam and Eve in chapter three, read it in verses one through six, when they've already sinned and they have to be escorted out of the garden, who's escorting them but Christ himself. When they begin to approach God with sacrifice, how do they know how to approach God except Christ taught them. Amen. We see in the story of Abraham on Mount Moriah that there's an angel there just as Abraham is getting ready to sacrifice Isaac. How is it that he is stopped except an angel comes and holds his hand and points him to the ram in the bushes. What is that angel? Who is that angel? It is the Christ that came from heaven to earth and he shows up in a tangible way and it doesn't just happen here at Mount Moriah with Abraham but you see it with Moses who is it on the backside of the desert when he's all alone and all of a sudden a voice comes and a voice speaks to Moses out of the bush right it's the angel of the Lord the pre-incarnate Christ Jesus look again at Joshua in the the fifth chapter when Joshua sees this glorious man and he tells him to take off his shoes for the place that he's standing is holy ground who is this man it is but Christ hallelujah who is it that sends Samuel to anoint David in 1 Samuel 16 but Christ the angel that directs him and so in the sixth chapter of Isaiah we see it again a glorious vision of this of this enthroned one of heaven who is it it's Christ hallelujah amen and so who is it with the three Hebrew children Meshach Shadrach and Abednego read about it in Daniel chapter 3 it's Christ Jesus the fourth one even 
even Nebuchadnezzar himself said it. It is the son of God. Hallelujah. And so we meet God incarnate again. When? In the New Testament. After he's already ascended and Saul is on the road to Damascus. And he cries out, who art thou? And the Lord replies, I am Jesus who you persecute. And all the way from Genesis to Revelation, we see in chapter 1 and verse 11, I am Alpha and Omega. Hallelujah. In the first chapter, who is it? Who is the somebody? The beginning and the end, the first and the last. I am he that liveth and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. And I have the keys of of, the gates of hell and of death. What am I telling you? You're not alone, baby. He's long been with you. The person of Christ has come from heaven to earth. And he's been with you from the foundations of the world. Hallelujah to God. All the way through, without exception. He's working. He's working. Hallelujah. He's guiding. He's blessing. In the valleys low, in the mountains high. He's working. He's with you. Who was it with Joseph in the prison? It was Christ with him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And so here we see Jacob in verse 24, left alone, wrestling with a man until the breaking of day. Jacob, who's wrestling and understands that he's not just wrestling with Nacho Libre. But there must have been some familiarity left over from Bethel. Remember Bethel's 20 years prior. The rock, where he lays his head at the rock, and there's a ladder with the angels ascending and descending. In Christ, at the foot of the ladder, with him. Hallelujah. And so there must have been a familiarity. At some moment, he begins to understand that this is no angel. This is no nacho. But this is God himself. Amen. Jacob, for us, we see that he represents the fullness of arrogance. The enthronement of self. Wrestling with God. Demanding, even in the wrestling, demanding His way. Even in the the wrestling, demanding His own interest. My choice, my will, my wants. My future, my body, my choice. My hopes, my dreams, my desires, my passions. My wants. Does that sound familiar at all? So Jacob, the deceiver, and the schemer, and the crafter, is wrestling. And I guarantee you he's dirty at wrestling. Like there's rules that govern wrestling. And I guarantee you he is trying every crooked way to take this angel, this Christ, He's tucking, he's pulling hair, he's straining, and he refuses to give in. And the angel sees that he will not prevail. And so, he's, so he, he taps into his supernatural strength. And the scripture says he touches his thigh. Verse 25. When he saw that he prevailed not against him, he touched the hollow of his thigh. And the hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joint 
as he wrestled with him. His limb began to come out of place. And the wrestling shifted. Jesus could have left him in that moment. Crippled. Nehemiah, come here real quick. This is the way that I I picture this. So he demands a blessing. He won't let go because to let go is to be completely done. And so he says, unless you bless me, I'm through. Unless you bless me, Esau and his 400 men are surely going to overtake me. Unless you bless me. What's your name? Deceiver. It's deceiver. It's the supplanter. It's the liar. It's the one who's always sought his own way. It's the one who always had the right answer. It's the one that no one could tell. The one that no one could advise. It's me. The one that demanded his own future. His own blessing. It's me. It's me. And I recognize now, I'm undone. Scripture says, just, like, just as Moses said, I am dust. I am dirt and dust. I'm not what I thought I was. Oh, I received the blessing of my father. Oh, but that earthly blessing was not enough. Oh, I need a blessing. I need a blessing from my maker. Amen. Amen. And so we come, we come here and we see no more wrestling, no more striving, no more refusing, just helpless clinging and holding on. The strong man, Jacob, is at the end of his tricks, in the end of his scheming, helpless before God, and finally humble and yielded. Humble and yielded. What's your name? Cunning, crafty, cheater, deceiver, supplanter. I'm of the earth, I'm earthy, my name is Jacob. And the, and the angel responds, Jacob, supplanter, deceiver, no more. As a prince, thou hast prevailed with God. Thy name is now Israel, the prince of God. All of his cleverness, his craftiness, his cunning is over. His life, an open book. 
the sanctification of his inner life begins and the old nature is done away with. We read his old prayer in verse 11 that brought us here. Deliver me from the hand of my brother Esau. But we see his prayer here. Oh, God, deliver me from Jacob. It's not Esau that's been my problem. It's not dad who never liked me. It's not mom who misled me. It's not granddad who didn't want to bless me. God, I'm the issue. It's me. And so the the blessing comes. And in, verse, in chapter 33, I'm almost done. Esau comes. He meets the old Jacob. But Esau knows it's not the old Jacob. Esau comes with intent to kill. Bible says in 33 and verse 4. That Esau runs to meet him. And when he sees him. He bursts into tears. And he kissed him. And he embraced him. And he hugged him. What changed? What changed? Esau, who had come to avenge, what changed? I submit to you that Jacob was so radically transformed by the power of God. When Esau saw his brother, he saw the image of God. Transformed into the likeness of God. And Esau is whelmed by his countenance. He's whelmed by the presence of God, but can't help but embrace him. Can't help but hug him. Can't help but kiss him. He saw the image of God. I understand that our 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 culture tells you that you need to find yourself. And that our culture preaches that you need to go away so that you can find yourself. You need to explore your sexuality so you can discover who you are. So you can discover your orientation or your gender or, 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 or your place. This is what our culture tells you. Our cultural t- culture tells you it's good to go away from family. In fact, that's the goal is to get away from family so you can self identify but understand that that's never been that's never been the that's never been the intent of scripture you are always supposed to be developed in community because it's community that reminds you of who you are this community that reminds you of who you're not it's community that sharpens you this community that lifts you up when you fall down it's community that calls out the gifts of God and the calling of God on your life it's community that comes alongside you when everybody else has abandoned you it sees the gold when everybody else sees the dross and reminds you that you are somebody going 
somewhere. Hallelujah to God. And so don't buy the lie of culture and the lie of the world that says you've got to go and find yourself. But there's one thing that you must find, and that is the image of God. You must behold the image of God. You must behold the person of Christ so that you can be transformed into his image and into his likeness. And when you're transformed into his image and into his likeness, you can go into the presence of your enemy and you'll find that the Lord has prepared a table for you. You can go in front of every Esau who has heal against you and he turns your enemies to flight seven ways. When you have been transformed into the image and the likeness of God, you can walk into that territory of hell, bring forth the glory of God and witness transformation and revival. How do I do it? I come to the end of myself at a penile. How do I do it? I find myself an altar in Christ Jesus and I come to the end of my own my own desires and my way where I'm demanding my my wants and where I'm demanding all of all of my first choices and I say God I surrender to you hallelujah to God and so from his wrestling he develops a a walk and a limp and so we know that he is forever changed in the physical but get this the Hebrew word here for walk is actually halakha halakha and it is used to describe how one's, one carries out the commands of God. And so when he's blessed by God, he walks according to the principle of God. And the blessing of God was not so he could have more cows. It wasn't so he could collect more sheep with spots or with, or with dots, right? It was so that he could walk according to the, the purpose and the plan of God on his life. And it's not until he yields that life at an altar, at Peniel, that transformation comes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Learns to listen. Learns to demand the Lord's way instead of his own way. We see Jacob, a changed man, with a new walk and a new name. Listen. You've got to understand, when you go to the airport, if they're going to let you onto that flight, they're going to ask you for something. I surely have a driver's license. They're going to ask you for a driver's license. You know why? It might be a passport. Because you know what's on that, that driver's license or that passport? It's my image. My image. And when I come to a place where I cannot go unless I have a verification of my image, and when I go in his likeness, I also have to go by his name. And when I go in his image and his likeness and I go in his name, with this, I'm really limited. I don't travel a lot. Sometimes I travel with people who do. They've got like, they've got like the easy pass that you get, the golden pass or whatever it is at, 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 at uh, Kings Island. Is that what it is? The gold pass? You can get to the front of the line. I found that every, every even religious establishments across the world have a gold pass. We were in India at the uh, Hindu temples. And if you paid extra, you got a gold pass and you pass all those poor folk Right? Thousands of poor, poor folk lined up at the Golden Temple there in India. And you get to go to the front of the line, right? Because you get a gold pass. <clears throat> and so people have special passes. 
and they can go places that I can't go. I could if I could steal, if I looked like them, right? If I could look like them and have their ID, then I could go because I could, I could bear, their, bear witness of their image, right? What am I saying? When you're transformed by the living God into his image, into his likeness, access will be granted in places you shouldn't be able to go. Authority will be given to do things that you shouldn't be able to do. Gifts that you in and of yourself should not be able to walk in and operate in when you're transformed into his image, into his likeness. The calling of God on your life begins to come to the surface. And it's not in your gifting and it's not, it's not in, in your charisma and it's not in who you know. It's just walking in his image and his likeness. Transformed at Peniel. Bethel's great, but I have to have my Peniel. Bethel and the blessings of God are great, but I must have the transformation that comes at Peniel. If I'm going to walk in the authority of the cross, it has to come at a Peniel. Amen. Amen. And so scripture says that the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the earth looking for a heart that is completely his. A man, a woman that understands the heart of God. Can I remind you tonight? He does not repent of the gifts and callings on your life. Do you hear me? The gifts and callings of God, scripture says, are without repentance. What does that mean? He hasn't changed his mind. He called you from the foundation of the earth. It's what Russ said from, from go in this service. And it's the whole message. You were in Christ Jesus from the foundation. Before God ever spoke the earth into existence, He already had you in mind. And He's not changed His mind about you. I know the enemy wants to convince you that you ran too long and you ran too far and you've done too much and you've tried it too much. I know the enemy wants to convince you that you'll never measure up to your, what you hope to be. You'll never measure up to the promise that you received when you were a teenager or when you were young. I'm talking to the believer in the house that's just grown weary in the waiting. I want to remind you he's not repented. He's not repented of the calling on your life, the plan of God on your life. He knows your heart. He knows your heart's desire. He knows what he's placed in your heart. Hallelujah. The one who became flesh. The, the one who became flesh. The one who said, I'm going to prepare a place for you, so don't be afraid. Talking about the one who said, you'll have trouble in this world, but fear not, for I've overcome the world. Hallelujah. He's looking for a man, a woman who understands his heart. That his heart is to give you the victory. His heart is to take you through the doors that you think will never open. His heart is to cause you to do the impossible and to go through the impossible places in His image and in His likeness to make you everything you can never hope to be in yourself to give you gifts that you don't have. Oh, but He says, I want to give them to you. The one that says, I took captivity captive for you. He says, I only want you to believe in what I've said. Don't run your own race. Don't work out your own future. He says, I've ordered your steps from the foundation of the world, according to Colossians and according to Timothy. I know every valley. I know every fire. I know every flood. 
And he comes to remind us tonight that the flame, though it may be hot, will not be kindled against you. Hallelujah. The flood may come, but it will not drown you. Hallelujah to God. You're going to come through and you're going to see the goodness of God in the land of the living. And you're going to come to a place where you look behind you and you see surely the goodness of the Lord is after me. Hallelujah to God. His goodness and his mercy. Hallelujah. Oh, how do I get there? Oh, I've got to be willing. I've got to be willing. To come to Panayo. To put Jacob away. So that Israel might be brought in. The one that's been wounded. The heart that can't trust, so he's got to do it all himself. That one. The one that'll face the army of Esau, but not on his own strength this time, but the strength of God. And there's a Jacob in each one of us tonight that we must be willing to deal with. Proverbs 1 and 23 says, Turn at my rebuke and surely, get this, Turn at my rebuke. Oh, does this sound like this sound like harsh words? No, no, no. Anytime correction comes from the Lord, that's his mercy. The Bible says that it's his goodness that leads us, that draws us to repentance. What's repentance? It sounds like a bad word. Repentance is the canceling of the plan of the enemy on your life. I want to repent every day. I want to cancel the plans of hell on my life every day. Turn at my rebuke and surely I will pour my spirit out upon you and I will make words known to you. I can't do it in my own strength. I can't do it in my own image. But if I can turn, if I can turn, he will pour his spirit out. He will do for me what I cannot do myself. Thanks for listening. If this message blessed you in any way, please consider subscribing and sharing this podcast with someone. You can follow us on social media at Haven Youth Church. We love you, fam.